The following program is furnished by Startup Nation Media Group. Welcome to this edition of Startup Nation Radio. Now, look, we all have entrepreneurial dreams, those of us tuning into the show, those paying attention, those who care about this subject matter. We've got these dreams. Many of us have beyond dreams. We have ideas, really good ideas, meritorious ideas that if put into market the right way can result in a really successful business that can help you realize your ultimate dreams of what your business can do for you. But none of it matters if you can't create awareness, if you can't create awareness that leads to people buying your product ultimately or service, whatever it is that you're selling. You know what? In the end, it's just a good idea and good ideas are cool but they're not going to make you money. They're not going to make a successful business around that idea unless you can get the attention of the marketplace and get them to buy from you. Well, to help us do just that, he's a new Startup Nation expert. This guy knows his business. He's an impressive guy. He's got a great command of what it's all about and a good breadth of all of the various tactics that small businesses use. His company is Digital Resource. His name is Shay Berman. Shay, welcome to the show. Thanks so much for having me, Jeff. I'm excited to be a part of the team and be a new expert with Startup Nation. Well, and I mean it. It's thrilling to have you on board, Shay, as an expert for Startup Nation and for our community. But, you know, it's absolutely true, isn't it? I mean, it, you know, biz good business ideas are one thing. But if you can't drive that traffic to you, it's all just for fun, right? And that's not that fun. Totally right. <laughs> right. No, not at all. I, I can tell you countless stories of clients that come to us with really great, unique businesses. And either people didn't know that type of business existed or that niche wasn't, it was new in the market and they didn't know how to get it noticed. They didn't know how to get people to find it. And we assisted them with getting those opportunities out there. Yeah. And I think small businesses struggle with this area of focus in small business because A, there's a lot of mystery around it. You know, it's hard to know what to do. It's hard to even know what questions to ask, let alone, you know, what answers to pursue. And so this is stuff that you really need an expert to help guide you on. You are that expert and you're going to help us on the show, you know, maybe point us in the right direction. Of course, just like we recommend when we have a lawyer on the show, you know, the best thing is if you can rally some funds and build on that account, Shay, with you or an expert firm like you, it's best to turn it over to the hands of those who really know what they're doing. You'll get your biggest bang for your buck and it'll come back in revenues, in sales for your business. And but this is stuff that entrepreneurs struggle with, you know, what to do, how to do it, how to pay for it. So, Shay, let's start with the most common things entrepreneurs do to drive that awareness. SEO, paid advertising, social media. How about that? Did I hit the big three? Perfect. Definitely the big three. So break them down for us. SEO, search engine optimization. Yeah, SEO, that big buzzword everyone knows, but doesn't really always know what it's about. You know, search engine optimization is a process of getting your business to rank well on Google. So let's say you're a dental practice. You want to show up when someone is looking for the best dental practice in Birmingham or the top implant dentist in Detroit, for example. And search engine optimization is a process of getting your website to rank well in the organic section. The organic section that SEO refers to is the section that really most people go to get the results. 80% of consumers prefer results from that organic section. The best businesses are at the top of the organic search. And while that's sometimes true, it's usually the best businesses that are hiring the best marketing companies to get them to the top of the organic search. But the public doesn't know that. The obvious question is, and we'll get into comparing the big three against one another in a minute, but just generally, what does it mean to do search engine optimization? I'm going to keep it super high level because I can go hours. In the sure, traffic of course. And probably bore you to tears. Yeah. yeah, no, no. <laughs> but the rules are that you're playing towards Google's rules. So Google has hundreds of rules about what a business should do online in order to get the best rankings. And the thing is, they don't even tell you what those rules are. 
you have to guess and see how the results change in the search engine algorithm as you make changes to see what the rules are. Google gives you suggestions, but will not give you the playbook. So a SEO's job, a search engine optimizer's job, is to kind of know the science and the art behind SEO to play to Google's rules to get you those rankings. Okay. And then there's paid advertising. This one's a little more common, a little more easy to understand for entrepreneurs, but we're talking paid advertising really online. We're talking social media paid ads. We're talking Google paid ads, right? That's what that is. Correct. Tell us, what's a Google ad? What's a social media ad, for example? Yeah, and those are like the big two. A Google ad is very similar to what SEO is, like getting your rankings up and getting visibility on the first page of Google, except it's in that paid section, the section above the map in your search engine results. And people love paid ads because you don't have to play Google's game to get there. You just pay. And it's just about dollars, for the most part, at least. And when it comes to paid social, like Facebook and Instagram ads, we're almost all familiar with. LinkedIn ads, Pinterest ads, TikTok ads, Snapchat, if you will. These are using psychographic and demographic targeting parameters that are available in the platforms to get in front of your best potential audiences. All right. And then there's social media. Uh, now we're talking here, we're not talking about paid because we just talked about that. We're talking about social media, what, posting? Uh, what are we talking about when we talk social media and small business? Yeah, we call it organic postings, like your daily posts that you make, whether it's on Facebook or Instagram or LinkedIn or another platform. You know, it's an earned media. It's a place where you have to show off who you, who you are, what your business is about, the people inside. And it's mostly used to get people to say yes. So if people find you through a referral or through online marketing or through your search engine results or a billboard, even if you will, people are going to check your social media pages, checking those pages of a business to determine if they want to do business with these people. Are they trustworthy? Are they friendly? Do they have longevity? How are their reviews? So social media mostly plays a role in that buying and decision-making process of a consumer, but also can definitely help you reach new markets too. All right, right on. Listen, we're going to run to a break. When we come back, Shay, here's what I'd like to do. I'm going to throw a couple businesses at you conceptually, and I'll tell you what my objective is. And then you're going to tell me, you're going to prescribe to me, you need to be thinking about this. All right. Can you handle that? I'm ready. All right. We'll be back after this break on Startup Nation Radio. Welcome back to Startup Nation Radio. Listen, we've got Shay Berman. He knows how to drive traffic to your business. He's the expert. His company is Digital Resource, and we've got Shay right where we want him. We're going to throw some businesses at him, and Shay's going to tell us how to best market or what best fits that business's needs out of the mix of social media, SEO, and paid advertising. And Shay, here we go. First business, I, I'm a I'm just opened a new coffee shop in a community. And I need some customers. I need my first customers. Shay, how do I market my new coffee shop? Perfect. Love this one. So assuming you already have a website in place, we want to make sure first that you're on all the local directories. Of course, Bing, Yahoo, Google, uh, uh, Bing, Yahoo, Google, excuse me, are the top three we want to get on. We can also use a tool like Yext to get on many hundreds of directories that are all over the internet. Okay. Once we have our directories in place, we want to make sure we do our on-page SEO go on our website, optimize our pages so that we can be found when someone's looking for a local coffee shop in the city that you're in or using the zip code you're in if you're in a bigger metropolitan area. Beyond that, starting up your social media pages. Facebook, Instagram, gonna be home runs for sure. If you love making content, you may wanna look at TikTok or Snapchat if you're into dancing and videos and things like that. But if you're just sticking to the Facebook and Instagram, daily posts Monday through Friday at a minimum and start engaging with other local businesses and other people who are in the area 
by searching hashtags that people are using in the city that you're in. Getting people engaged through social media, you know, commenting back, tweeting at them if you're using yep, Twitter, yep. making posts that have the right hashtags where you're getting visibility, it's going to organically grow your social media presence. But there's nothing like also using Facebook and Instagram ads to get in front of coffee lovers who are in your community. Literally using Facebook ads to target people based on their purchasing habits, meaning have they purchased coffee using their credit card at a local coffee shop in the past 30 days. You can actually target people by that targeting parameter within Facebook and Instagram. You can also target people by their geographic area, their age, their gender, et cetera. So creating ads that really speak to the demographic you wanna target while targeting the correct demographic, bringing those things together, possibly with a special offer, so you can drive them right back into your location, get new customers, and of course you'll be getting those revisits if you're really great at what you do. I'm taking notes, man. I'm gonna open a coffee shop and make my first call you. That's for sure. All right, let's get on to the second one. I'm an e-commerce company. How about this one? I'm going to be selling a new uh, clothing line online. I'm opening up. How do I get some customers? So it's definitely a difficult one. And you have to be ready to find your target audience, depending on what type of clothing you're putting out there, uh, what the, that clothing looks like, who the target audience is, whether it's gender or age, you're going to need to do paid ads. That's the only way to get traffic very quickly. Paid ads is going to be best done through Facebook and Instagram for sure. You could also possibly look at some other newer platforms like Snapchat and TikTok, uh, again, depending on the platform, uh, excuse me, depending on the type of clothing you're putting out there. But paid ads are going to be the best for driving that cold traffic. The biggest thing, though, Jeff, is the tracking. You want to have your Facebook and Instagram pixels set up throughout the website to understand how people are engaging with your products. Are they going to multiple pages? Are they adding things to their shopping cart? Are they going through checkout? And so you can retarget people who do checkout or retarget people who don't check out to remind them that they had something in their cart. But paid ads is going to be a home run, especially on social. Again, depending on the type of clothing, you may be looking at doing Google Shopping as well. Google Shopping is great if there's a specific type of clothing that you're producing that people are already searching for that they can then use when they're typing into Google and then find your clothing, your product, your website. The other piece is of course social media. We know clothing has a lot to do with emotions and the consumer engagement. So posting every day on the major social media platforms, producing as much content as possible, and even collaborating with other brands that are already popular can be a great way to grow your organic social presence very quickly. This is tough stuff for a small business to open a new business and all the rest of the things you got to think about and do and do well in a weakest link equation. It's a lot of stress and pressure and to be able to execute the kinds of things you're talking about is really tough. So thank God for firms like yours. We'll get to that in a second. But how about one more quickly? I'm a local roofing company. I need leads. What do I do, Shay? So for a roofing company, you have a few really great options, actually. Um, the number one home run, though, is going to be Google Ads. There are people looking for roofers and roofing companies in your area. You need to be found as an option when someone's going to search on Google for a roofing company or, that's, or someone that does what you do. When they do that, you want to make sure you're sending them to a landing page tracking all those phone calls, recording them, tracking all the contact forms that come through so you really understand the return on investment from your Google Ads. You will get phone calls, but it's about tracking how much money you're making so you can really understand your ROI and where to place your future marketing dollars. Facebook and Instagram ads can also do really well, targeting people by home ownership in the areas that you serve and letting them know, know that you'll do a free consultation on the roof, letting them know that you'll come out and take a look if there's a leak or something going on that you don't know if it's a problem yet or if it could become a problem. So Google Ads, Facebook, Instagram are really great, and also SEO. Again, we go back to this, that we know there are probably thousands of people actually searching every month in the city that you're sitting in and listening from right now, mm -hmm. searching for a roofing company. 
So if only 20% of people ever engage with Google ads, you're missing out on 80% of the population that goes to the organic section by not doing SEO. So SEOing your website, doing all the right things as far as your on-page, your blogging, your social, your link building, which we'll get into in further segments, will allow you to get your rankings up to that organic section where 80% of consumers do want to find their options. All right. Now, look, that's great. There's a reason why we picked you to be our Startup Nation expert, and you've just showcased it. So talk to us about how someone out there, instead of trying to do this on their own, how do they engage a firm like yours? What does that look like? How does that work? What's the relationship like? Yeah, a really great firm, and obviously one like ours, will take you through a discovery process first. Learn all about your goals and your concerns, your frustrations, what you've done in the past for your business, what's working now, what hasn't, and then develop goals for the future whether it's a certain number of leads you're concerned with or frustrated not hitting revenue goals that we need to break that down into a number of leads, or it's a certain service or line or item that you want to offer more of that you're not selling enough of right now. Once they go through that consultation, that discovery, they should from there be able to put together a custom plan involving the many areas of digital marketing and make sure they're putting the best use of your dollars first. So here's the thing. The way I like to look at this and, and go about this is that you make an investment up front. You pick the right firm. You pick the highest quality firm you can. You put your trust in them. And then what starts to happen is you start seeing results. Those results are sent to us. I'm sure you guys send out a regular report indicating, you know, whatever relative to the objectives that measures against the key milestones, indicating how that campaign is performed and how you as a firm are performing on behalf of the client's objectives. And then what happens is you kind of shifts from an upfront investment to if everything's going really, really well, you might find yourself in a position where the new sales that you've generated are actually paying for the work that's being done to drive those sales and much more, obviously, right? That's the ideal manifestation. That's the prime example of how and why to work with a firm like yours, right, Shay? Of course. Just as an example, I have a dental client we were working with just last week. They wanted to invest just a little bit in Google Ads to you know, see what would happen. Well, the little bit they invested, they got eight times their money. They're like, can we invest more? And we're like, yeah, there's still more people searching out there who aren't finding you because your budget isn't you know, maxed out yet. So they did up their budget knowing they can bring in more. But they started with a test, realized it was making them money, it was a good ROI, and then was able to reinvest more because they knew what they were getting from it. Yeah, and the beautiful thing about that is, too, in addition to building that confidence through testing, you also learn a lot and you have an opportunity to optimize. Some things are going to work better than other things. And you want to put your dollars into driving the lowest cost per acquisition that you can possibly generate for your business at the highest quality lead level. You want that lead, you know, you're willing to pay a little more if the lead's willing to spend more, but that's the equation you're really driving at. That's the ultimate measure, right? hundred percent. It's all comes down to how much does it cost to acquire a client, a patient, a customer, getting that number continuously down and working towards that every single day, every month, and then looking at what your top line is, what you're making from it to see if you're hitting your goals. And of course, it all starts with creating that awareness, moving them down the conversion funnel to ultimately at the bottom, the holy grail, being a buyer and a repeat buyer. Shay, thank you. How do the people get a hold of you if they want to sign up to have you help them out? How do they do that? Yeah, they can get a hold of us at yourdigitalresource.com. We have tons of great resources there. Our phone number, our emails there. Sales at yourdigitalresource.com is great too. Hey, Shay Berman, thanks so much. We really appreciate it. We'll, uh, we'll do this regularly, Shay. Thanks for having me. Very excited. All right. Right on. Back with more on Startup Nation Radio right after this break.
right, welcome back to Startup Nation Radio, continuing with our Ask the Experts show. This is a feature we do where we bring on various experts to talk about subject matter important to small businesses today. We've got another expert, new expert for Startup Nation, Greg Packer with Access Point. You're in the HR outsourcing business, Greg. Welcome to Startup Nation Radio. Thank you, Jeff. Happy to be here. It's great to have you as an expert. You know, hiring matters is really something that small businesses and entrepreneurs don't, I mean, there's no playbook they come with, you know, they're learning on the job and many times they don't get it right, right from the start. It's important to set yourself up right, right away, isn't it? It is. It's, it's one of those things that, you know, there's, I guess there's starting to be now in college classes on entrepreneurism and HR, but largely it's not focused on the real meat and potatoes of right. running your business. So. Right. And tell us what Access Point does. I mean, this is kind of, as I say, it's a little bit foreign. It's a bit of a mystery to entrepreneurs out there. You know, what do I need an HR company for? I'll just go hire my buddy. You know, what's the big deal, right? Well, there can be big deals out of this. You can make big mistakes and come back to haunt you later. Tell us what you guys do. So the HR world, you know, the employment compliance world is really what we focus on is becoming more and more complex. Every time a new law is passed or a court case is decided, it changes the rules and the compliance yeah. responsibilities. And, and in our country, as great as it is, the employers are expected to be the babysitters and take on the responsibility of reporting taxes and complying with all sorts of different rules and regulations. So I like to think that we're sort of a problem or headache consolidator. We take the problems, the headaches from all of our clients and consolidate them together. And we can then afford to invest in experts to deal with those problems and provide them on an incremental basis to each of our clients. So when they need a little bit of workplace safety help or a little bit of benefits help or a little bit of payroll help, we have an expert that's familiar with their landscape and their situation and can, can weigh in on that. For them. Yeah. So let's talk just simply and basically right now. So I'm a new business. I've opened my LLC got my website. I'm ready to go. I got my inventory, ready to go into business. And I've got a couple of people I need to hire. At what point should a company intersect with a service like yours? Are you suggesting that right from day one? Or is there kind of a, you know, a, a, an inflection point in a growth curve where this is where you need to call us? Well, it's interesting, Jeff. Initially, we, we sort of shied away from smaller companies. We used to have minimums of five or 10 employees. But now we've just recently rolled out a new startup program and we'll go with one employee for a client. Um, as long as they're on a growth track, we like to see them have some outside investment and a plan to grow because we don't want to have long-term one-employee clients. But we'll take out a client with as little as one employee, provide them with yeah. a full benefits package and a 401k and an HRIT system to then grow with because it positions them better to grow with employees 5 through 10 and then 10 through 20 and so on and so yeah. forth. Obviously, there's a cost to get the value that your company provides. Just from what to what, you know, kind of in a range, should a company expect to pay for your services? Well, they're going to pay a lot less than if they do it on their own. Okay, so there you go. That's, the, that's <laughs> an important answer. Interesting. Tell, tell me how and why that is the case. Well, first of all, they're going to make a lot of mistakes doing it on their own typically because it's, it's a new world to them. Right. Um, you know, right. We work with a lot of investors in startup businesses, and they like to see the startup entrepreneur using our services because they don't want them distracted by workers' comp audits right. and benefit right. shopping and things of that nature. They want them focused on growing their business. Right. But typically, a client's going to pay in the range of $1,500 to $1,800 to bring on that first employee annually with us. That's a lot more than having just a payroll service, but we aren't just a payroll service. We're a full suite of HR services, including a technology platform right. to make their life easier. All right, great. Boy, this was a subject matter that entrepreneurs don't, as I say, they, they don't grasp from day one in, inherently or naturally as it is. But now you throw in COVID that we've just come, the pandemic that we've just gone through, and things are uh, more critical than ever, 
right? We employee issues and other things are more critical than ever to deal with in the right way. You've got to do it right. Absolutely. How have things, you know, from your view in this post-COVID era, how has work and employment changed since COVID in your view? Well, dramatically would be a good word. Of course, Um, right. We've seen a mass exodus from offices, but also we've seen a mass exodus from traditional sort of oasis of of entrepreneurism started, you know, the Bay Area out in California. It's almost like people couldn't get out of town fast enough. Right. Look at the housing prices in Denver and Colorado. Uh, Austin, Texas. Yeah. (laughs) Um, Everybody's, you know, getting out of New York City and all these different places. And so what it's done is to the employment environment is that people suddenly had to adapt and get used to employees working in other places, working from Mm -hmm. their homes. Uh, We have a relationship with WeWork as an example, nationwide. And uh, you know, they saw a mass exodus. People are starting to come back now. You might have a company with you know, three, four, five employees, and they're working in three or four different jurisdictions. So now all of a sudden you have a Michigan-based company, and they've got an employee in Illinois, California, and Florida. Well, they're now an employer in Illinois, California, and Florida. And each right. of those states, most employment rules are state-based and local-based. You have lots of regional taxes. Uh, you know, the state of Ohio Almost any place you live has a municipal tax. So you have to be able to adapt to that, know that. You know, we have a very sophisticated system that tracks all those things by zip code, uh, the tax, I think. But we also have the human beings that are experts in employment law in California. That is, it's almost That's like a, a different country oh out there. It is almost like a different country. I've had some experience there. And, and you're right. I mean, those are, you know, what we may know well here in Michigan doesn't necessarily apply. as you Well, certainly probably doesn't apply in California, right? right? It's a whole different beast. So you help organize and manage all of that and make sure it's set up right and executed properly and that it complies with the state-by-state rules and regulations, right? Correct. Yeah. We, you know, it's our, compliance is our job. Keep, keep, yeah. keep our clients compliant. Yeah. You talk, you use the word dramatic and how things have changed. I mean, I've even read articles where people are saying uh, that uh, if, if their employer doesn't offer the opportunity for a kind of a hybrid, you know, work from home, work from office kind of environment or circumstance, that they're going to go find another job. There's a lot of movement in the labor market these days, isn't there? Oh, absolutely. It's going to be interesting. You know, Jamie Dimon, very well known from Chase, made the very bold statement that, you know, Chase is a, a work from the office company. If you're going to work here, you got to be in the office. You know, he needs to understand that there's lots of options out there for employees, especially the younger generation. And we'll see if they vote with their feet, because I'm sure there's going to be other entrepreneurial banks that will offer opportunities for people who want to work a hybrid schedule. If I were to ask you, what are some of the key tips, you know, maybe two or three tips that you want to make sure small businesses pay attention to today in managing their employee base? What are some of the things in this environment, this post-COVID environment that you say you need to pay, you know, what are the things you need to pay attention to anyway, post-COVID or not? And then especially in this uh, time and area in which we're operating today. Well, I think that it's important to make sure you're doing it right. And unfortunately for a startup company, they don't know what they don't know. Mm-hmm. So I, I would encourage them to ask questions, pursue experts. You know, when we talk to people who, in, who are investors, you know, the, the private equity folks, uh, things like that, yeah. they like knowing that there's someone like us involved in keeping that company on track because they don't want to have a hiccup when they go for various rounds of funding and discover that they've been employing a receptionist as a 1099 person or something of that nature, not, not being in compliance. The uh, investment community does not like there to be hair on these deals. So making sure you're doing it right. You know, we have a little you know, seminar we do on you know, hiring your first employee. We follow that up with firing your first employee. So there's a number of stories. I, f- I think it's the, uh, the the Facebook story where there was an investor who was sort of squeezed out and oh, right. 20 years right. later is, is litigating that, you know, he should have been better rewarded because he worked on a, not without getting paid. 
So you know, everybody wants to hit it big. And when you hit it big, those things become very magnified. So it's just a lot simpler and easier to do it right now than to pay the consequences later. Yeah, you know, there are certain things that, I mean, we always tell entrepreneurs, really what an entrepreneur should be doing is executing their core vision. So if they've got an idea, a novel idea, or a novel approach to executing a business, they should be focused on that vision. They should be focused on executing that vision. They should be focused on getting new customers and shaking hands, maybe not literally, but certainly figuratively at least, and doing those kinds of things, generating business for the business. But there's a lot of back office kind of stuff that entrepreneurs either A, just don't know, as we mentioned, or B, just don't want to do, you know, and it comes back to bite them later. This, to me, falls into that category. You know, this is one of those things where you can't turn your back on it. It's important to be set up right from the beginning. We're thrilled to have you as an expert and your company uh, backing Startup Nation and speaking to our community of entrepreneurs at Startup Nation. I'm talking to the people out there right now who are listening. I know a lot of people make the show a destination and they're building businesses around the information they get. I can't recommend enough things like getting your accounting and financials set up right from day one, getting your legal work done properly from day one, setting up the right structure for your company, et cetera, et cetera. And this is another one of those examples, you know, getting your HR set up properly and executed properly from day one, because boy, especially today, these things can come back to bite you later. Greg, it's thrilling to have you at uh, Startup Nation. How can people reach you if they want to talk to you directly about their needs? APteam.com is our website. APApplePeterTeam.com. Yep. That's how you can reach Greg and his team and uh, reach out to him. If you're thinking of starting a business or if you have a going enterprise, it's never too late, is it, Greg, to get it right, even if you didn't start right? It's always better to start right because otherwise, you, you know, you're driving policy. So you don't want your policy to be driven by your first favorite employee. That might not work for your 10th employee that you're not so fond of. So. Yeah. It's great to have you as an expert, but I have to tell you, too, and I'll say this to you personally on air. It's great to also have you because you're a great guy. So anybody out there thinking of working with this company, I can tell you, Greg's the guy you want to work with for sure. And both personally and professionally, you're a guy worth knowing. Detroit's lucky to have you. The Detroit startup community and business community, very lucky to have you and your company. And your son, Spencer, you guys do a great job. Well, thank you, Jeff. Yeah, thanks. The community's lucky to have you as well. Yeah, you're a great force great. also. All right. Thanks. Back with more right after this break on Startup Nation Radio. Welcome back to Startup Nation Radio. This is our Ask the Experts show. And continuing uh, with that theme, we've got Michael Spath. Michael, you're going to help us put in perspective the importance of setting your business up the right way by having insurance in place. That's critical, mission critical. You're with a great firm, Kapnick Insurance Group, and we're thrilled to have you as an expert at Startup Nation and uh, and have you on the show. Thanks, Michael. Well, I really appreciate it. And yeah, you know what? Everybody says insurance. It's not the sexiest term at all. And and I was a small business owner before I got into insurance. And I have a colleague who's been around for 30 years. And he always says, look, like everybody hates insurance. And everybody <laughs> seems to hate their insurance. They hate it until it pays. Well, uh, they do. When you need it. They when do. You need it. And he yeah. does always say like, thank God, if they're going to, they're going to hate it, yeah. but you can make it a little bit easier for them. And maybe they don't hate you as much as they just hate what it is. Yeah. And so that's kind of where we step in. You know, and I think a big part of the problem is too, you know, obviously insurance is uh, based on risk and, and, you know, it doesn't pay, we pay in most mm -hmm. of us and we don't have the payback most. And thankfully so, right. Obviously none of us want what comes with a, with a payout, but that's part of the problem with insurance. You know, do I, can I, can I sneak by? You know, right. Can I just get away with this? By job? Right, Is that right. what you're saying? For another right year. <laughs> can I just get away without having that insurance coverage for the end? Boy, when it hits. Oh. 
Well, it, it is. It, I mean, think about anything else that you buy in life, right? Even you're buying your house and you're spending that, whatever your mortgage payment is every right. single month, right. you still get to live in your house. You know, you've got that car payment and car payments have seemingly gone up in the last couple of years because yeah. there's greater demand yeah. than there is supply. Yeah. But you get to drive that car around, whether you've got like sure. a Mustang or right. you've got, you know, you know the family. Everything else, like you pay for it and you get some type of tangible, tangible result. Sure. And so I always have this conversation when I started working for Kaepernick. I'm like, what are they paying for? And someone said to me, they're paying for a guarantee that all their hard work, all their effort, mm. all their passion, everything you sink into it to be a small business owner or be any type of business owner, that if anything ever happens, well, you're going to be returned to your original place. Like if you have pipes that burst and, you know, this beautiful building here at Startup Nation, you had <laughs> water damage. You're paying for that guarantee that at yeah. the end of the day, you can be exactly who you were before the loss happened. I really love the way you said it. It protects all of your hard work. You know, it really does. I mean, I, I can vaporize, go, you know, with, with one event if you're not covered. So well, was, think, I like that. that think was, about a good way to say it. Absolutely. Every small business owner, when I ask them, you know, why they chose this, it wasn't because like I was going to make a lot of money about it. It was yeah. because I had this idea and I'm passionate about it and I love it. And a lot of small business owners don't make a ton of money. Right. And if you think about that commitment, you think about that effort, you think about the resources that they voted to, the time, the energy that they've taken away from their family, from their oh. friends, whatever, and all of a sudden something terrible happens and they lose it, that's a devastating moment devastating. for any small business owner. Yes. And all I'm saying is that in that moment, I'm going to be the one who sits next to you, puts his hand over your sh on your shoulder and says, look, we got you, Mark, coming. Jeff, Ryan, whoever you are, you know, Debbie, whoever you are, we're going to build this thing right back to exactly what you had before. And it's going to be as good or better than anything you ever had. And I'm going to be here every step of the way to make sure that this color is proper and the tile and everything so that you step back into this six months down the road and you're running again. That's beautiful. All right. So you got me convinced. I'm convinced I'm in, but tell us what we need. So I'm a small business owner. I got a local shop on main street. Maybe I'm a small business owner. That's got a different kind of business. I'm online only, you know, what kinds of things do I need to be really our mission critical when it comes to small business insurance? Well, the, the biggest thing is, and it's a three letter acronym. It stands for, it's BOP and it's business owners policy. Uh, and everybody should have this. And what it essentially covers you is on two sides is on property and then on liability. And I don't know, you know, it depends on what your, what your particular business is, which one is more important. If you are a retail space or you are a restaurant, you're going to care a lot about your property because if something happens, That's where you do you business, gotta, you got to build right. the thing back up. Mission gotta, critical. Yeah. And, and the property inside of it, you've got to buy, you know, refrigerators again, you got to buy the, the tables and chairs and all the different stuff to make that business whole again. But every business really needs liability. The liability insurance is I walked in here, I came up your steps. You know, if I fell down and hurt myself, I'm going to turn around and be like, well, you know, to Jeff Sloan and Startup Nation. Hand me, hand me the keys. Yeah, please. I'm going to own this building. Wait, wait where's my office? Absolutely. <laughs> You've got right. that great office right on Woodward. I'm going to take that over. There you go. So that's where it comes in is like protecting yourself in case any customer gets injured on premises or by a product. Or, you know, uh, if you go out to them, if you're a roofer, if you're and the product hurts them while you're out on the site, I mean, protecting those type of things. And so you need property and you need liability. That's the most basic coverage out there. Now talk to your insurance agent and he or she should be able to fill in a lot more than that. And they should evaluate every company. Every company is different. Right. Every single company is different. The restaurant down the street is even different from the restaurant two doors down. And so you have to evaluate what makes you special, what makes yeah. you, what are your risks yeah. and help you fill those. And that's where it goes from commodity to real value. And I know you being a small business expert at Capnick, you guys have a real focus on this and you've made yourself an expert. And it's that added value that I think is so important to look for in an agent and in a firm at large, right? I mean, you got, you got to pick the right firm 
that understands the needs of the marketplace they're selling to. And uh, you guys have made it a point to do that. That's why you're the expert at Startup <laughs> Nation on insurance. Let me ask you this, beyond the basics, mm -hmm. which you've just highlighted for us, the kind of the fundamentals, the blocking and tackling, if you will, there's this new thing, cyber insurance. Uh, it's so popular. And it's come into a, right, I've, you know, certainly I've become aware of it. We've got it. Do we need that? And why? Well, I absolutely think you do need it. It's extremely buzz, you know, in the zeitgeist right now. Right. Everybody's talking about so, it. So first, what is it? Well, it's to protect you largely from a lot of different things, but ransomware to protect you from cyber. I remember we talked about cyber attacks. We talk about like Russia and we talk about the pipeline. But as a small business, you know, what happens if someone comes in and just takes over your data systems, takes over your computer, shuts everything down for three, four, five days? Well, not only do you have to fix everything, but you're not operating for four or five days and you're losing money for four or five days. And for a lot of small businesses, if you lose four or five days worth of business, your margins just shrink and now you're in trouble. So if I have it, what do you guys do for me? Oh, that's a great question. You know, what we do, Jeffrey, is we put you in touch with insurance companies that will, you know, if a breach takes place, they're the experts. They're going to come through and they're going to be able to like fix a lot of things for you. They're going to be able to give you that expertise of like, okay, here's what you've had happen. Here's how we're going to fix it. They're also paying for all those costs. That's a big thing about insurance. A lot of people don't understand is it's not just the payment. If you get sued, it's not just like, okay, I got sued for a million bucks. We settled for 500,000. Here's the $500,000 check. They're also paying for all the expenses that lead up to it. They're paying for the legal fees. And when you come to cyber, you've got to bring in IT experts. They're going to fix your yeah. systems. And so you're paying for all of that stuff. What do you do with the ransom? Well, I mean, the FBI tells you not to do it. The IRS tells you you can write it off on your taxes. So which one are you supposed yeah. to believe? Okay. It goes both ways. With a ransom, I mean, depending on how quickly you want to get back to business, a lot of times you pay Sometimes it. Sometimes you pay it. A lot of big companies are. A lot of big companies. It's really an unfortunate thing, which just further fuels the nefarious activity. Yeah. I mean, if you're getting that payout, I mean, it's like my son. Like, if he cries for milk and we give him milk, then he's going to know to cry a little bit more to get more milk. And <laughs> right now he's doing a lot of that. <laughs> Uh, he's like 18 months old. And he's right. like, I'm no, I'm resisting this going off this nursing thing. I'm going to fight back. And so that's what a, a ransom company is doing. A hacker is doing is like, well, someone just gave me $50,000. So let's hack let's them do again. It again. And right. here's the problem too, is they can extort you twice. Jeff, think about this. They extort you the first time where they shut everything down. They're saying, well, we get, you got to give us 50 grand in order to put your systems back online. Well, now they've also stolen data from you. And so they put you back online and then they say, well, we've got customer information. We've got credit card information. We've got personal health information. Oh. You need to give us more money. So they can extort you twice. And so an insurance company comes in and is just trying to, you've got fees, you've got, you know, to make it right. You've got to be making it right with customers. Every expense that, you know, that comes with it, yeah. that's where an insurance company, depending on your particular tailored protection plan is going to help you out. I just think it's one of those things we joked about beforehand. It's not really a joking matter, but like, okay, maybe you're spending 1500 bucks on the front end. And that, that sounds like a gigantic cost, but how does that compare to $50,000 two years down the road yeah. on the back end? Oh my God. I mean, it's absolutely devastating if you don't have it. Now, when you say 1500, is that kind of a benchmark, you know, an average kind of per year it really, premium? It really depends on the size of the company. You know, small businesses, I mean, I'll be honest. I've written a bunch of these lately that are in the closer like five hundred to eight hundred dollar range. Yeah. But they're smaller. They're smaller companies, and they have smaller limits. I mean, that's a big thing to look at. Is like how much am I protected? Am I protected up to fifty thousand dollars in damage, or am I protected to a million dollars in damage? And right now, the average ransomware payment is two hundred twenty thousand dollars. So you would want to be at least protected for two fifty to five hundred. So that'd be closer. You know, some somewhere in that one thousand or two thousand dollar ballpark. And yeah, every small business is kind of like, wow, that's a lot. But again, Jeff, I mean, I just keep coming back to it and everyone's like, well, my house is never going to burn down. And then you look down the street and there's a house that had burned down. You know, I'm never going to get in a car accident. 
Well, mm-hmm. I would tell you that just drive down Woodward on one Saturday night and there's a lot of car accidents. Right. And so right. it happens and you just want to guarantee that if it happens to you, you're going to yeah. be okay. All right. So if I'm a small business owner, I hear what you're saying. I need to talk to you, Michael. How do I reach you? You're the guy. I mean, really, we picked you. We handpicked you to be our expert at Startup Nation for good reason, backed by the Kapnick Insurance Group. How do I find you? You know, I would say, like, just go to Google and put it Kapnick into Google because that's the fastest way for a lot of people. Kapnick.com, K-A-P-N-I-C-K.com. You can email me, Michael, period, Spath, S-P-A-T-H, at Kapnick.com. Michael Spath, thank you so much. We appreciate it so much. And we're going to do this often. We're going to make sure our community's well-protected. I love it, and that's what I'm here for. And the good thing is every time you and I come in here, we talk about a lot of other things, too. So I enjoy the conversation. But, yeah, I just want to help people. Thank you, Michael. All right. Well, that kind of wraps up our Ask the Expert show for today. Thanks for joining us, and we'll be back next week again with another great Startup Nation show. And between now and then, get out there and start it up. The preceding program was furnished by Startup Nation Media Group.